On the podcast this week, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Matt Veer, for a different kind of podcast. Today, we're talking about people that have had a big influence on our life, impact on our life. We're talking about coaching our kids in softball, team sports. We're talking about our bucket lists, long conversations, longer podcasts than I typically would have, but I had a blast making with them. We got a little bit deeper than I normally would get, so it was a little bit of a growing opportunity for me too. So I, I hope you enjoyed if you give it a listen. This is the Randy Forcier podcast. If you can do me a favor, subscribe on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify. As always, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and your support. Here's Matt. Okay, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Matt Veer, for his first time on the podcast. Matt, how you doing, pal? First time, feels good. A little nervous. This is big time on the pod here. It is, I appreciate big time, man. I'm glad you made it. We've been talking about it for a while. We were just trying to find the right thing for us to talk about. And I think we have some fun stuff to talk about. What, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you want to talk about today? So, like, you know, I listen to your pod a lot. You know, you, you, I like the top five. I like the top list you do. I like the guests you have, various industry-related guests, guests that travel outside what people might think you're interested in. But to me, I, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and if you're open to it, it seems like you're open to it, would be, like, some of your biggest influencers in your life. And I'm not, I'm not talking about Instagram influencers <laughs> or things of that nature, but, like, people that have kind of, like, driven to the bedrock of what make you, like, what yeah. makes your personality, what makes up your drive, your motivation, things of that nature. And I've always been kind of, how do you, how do you want to say it? Not influenced, but, you know, you know, aspire, you know, ask, you know, aspiration, seeing people that have done great things, either coming from nothing or overcoming huge adversities, things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, if you're willing, let's dive into it. I would love to, man. It's a great conversation to have. One of the things I was thinking about as, as we were prepping for this, but it was the idea of people that have influenced you in life versus people that have impacted you on your life. And I, I wonder if you see a difference. I see a difference there. You know, there's a lot of people in my life that have impacted me for moments in time, or specific events, kind of led me to down my path. And I don't know if you want to go down that route or if it's more influenced people or people that have influence on you, people that have influenced like your personality, some of the things that make you you. I don't know if we have enough room to include both of those things in this little area or if it's really the same thing. And I'm just kind of looking at it in a weird way. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there are people that impact you and either good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. There can be events or people that have impacted you negatively that actually made you say, this is absolutely not the person I want to be, right? You've had those running relationships. And then you have people that can influence and impact you as well as people that you can just admire from afar that mm -hmm. have kind of given you direction on what you want your life to look like. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there, there are there are a multitude. And I, like, I think it goes without saying that we are a direct product of our environment, right? And how we grew up and, and the people you're surrounded with. So it can't go without saying that direct influences and impactful people are, you know, your parents, your siblings, mm -hmm. your wife, yeah. your kids, things of that nature, cousins, right? Anybody that, you know, had a recurring role in the presence of your development and, and in how you grew up. And even after that, in even your day-to-day, -day, you know, functionality. So... But to me, I kind of wanted to drive into some of the people that maybe I idolized. Maybe the idolization shifted towards my admiration, and then maybe it just looked at as I look at them as another person that achieved great success in myriads and aspects of their lives. You mm -hmm. know, so like one of the people that I don't know if you know this about that I've looked up to for a very long time was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. And I think that that person, and, you know, we've talked about this in, in, in text messages and, and, and stuff like that, but I think for a person that had the singular motivation to be great at whatever he did, 
And, you know, coming from a country, Austria, coming from a country that was trying to rebuild itself after the Second World War, growing up not quite in poverty, but growing up, you know, not having their major conveniences and luxuries that, you know, he has to this day, mm -hmm. and having a singular mindset of America is where I want to be, because, you know, a lot of people from the outside looking in, Randy, this is the place to be, political divides or not, this is the place to be, right? I mean, there are so many governments modeled after the American dream. So to look at when Arnold Schwarzenegger came over, accomplished, dominated three avenues of life, you know, bodybuilding, top movie star, political aspirations. I mean, what else can you say towards a person that can influence you? It's just that, this is going to sound cliche, but if the mind can believe it, then the body can achieve it, right? So yes. that's one of mine that I don't know if you knew about or, or not, but I think profound impact and profound influence too. We have talked a little bit about him lately on Tech Strings, just because I think there's a new documentary that came out, right? Was that on Netflix, yep. HBO? Netflix, uh, yeah. Netflix, yeah, I'm going to check that out. But yeah. no, I knew you were, I mean, you, you used to be into lifting too, so I'm sure there was something there. So I think that's a great one. I wasn't sure how you wanted to start it that way. So it's good to see you start with him because I wasn't sure if it is where we're going to talk about our parents or, or our <laughs> grandparents and stuff like that, because there's oh, yeah. no doubt that those are the people that had the most influence on us and the way that we are. But as far as, you know, celebrities or, or people, I mean, I guess anyone outside of our families, you know, I mean, there are people locally that aren't celebrities that haven't had an influence on me. But when I think back to my childhood, I guess the first person that comes to mind, if you're going to put Arnold on the table for me is Michael Jordan. Yep. So huge Michael Jordan guy. I mean, ever since brought God from maybe like 1990 on when I was eight years old, I was, you know, live, breathe and sleep. Michael Jordan, everything he did, the way he carried himself. I always remember watching documentaries of him back in the day and how he, how he didn't miss games and every game he was on. And it was all about, you never know who in the building is seeing Michael Jordan for the first time. Yeah. And that was always something that struck with me. It's like, you have to be on, can't no nights off, always working hard to be the best, super competitive. You know, it wasn't the best leader, but I always just love his competitiveness, his clutchness. And it's something that I applied to like all of my athletics growing up, you know? So, yeah. You think about everything that he had to overcome. You mm -hmm. know, I was four years old when he came to the league, so I don't remember the hype that was around him. Mm -hmm. But definitely as Michael Jordan became a household name, right, there are a few people in this world that are famous to the point of globally famous, right? Yeah. You can think of Michael Jordan. You can think of Tiger Woods. There's only a few people that are on that echelon, that, that are on that level of anywhere you go, you're recognizable, right? Mm -hmm. So to be able to deal with that, and, and well, let me ask you this question. Do you think Michael Jordan had it a little bit easier when, in the lack of social media environment, right, where everything would have been so microscopic? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you heard the gambling stories about how much would those have, those have come out, right, and stuff like that. So it's – I think it would have – I think he had it easier. I don't know what you think, but I think yeah. his career plays out a lot differently if he's under the social media microscope. I mean, For he's sure. obviously the best ever. The natural talent was there, but – I don't know, that gambling stuff or just any of his addictions or the dark sides of Michael Jordan that he was able to keep from the public. There's a lot like higher likelihood of success of that stuff coming out with social media. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, so like you, you lump Tiger Woods in that too, right? Someone that his career kind of mirrored Michael Jordan with the global fame, right? They just mm -hmm. call it what you will, utter dominance in a sport. Right. Yep. And with that dominance came the notoriety, came the fame. But I think Tiger did it in a different time frame because 
some of his stuff did come to light over social media. In 2009, we had a car accident, and you kind of started to see the dark layers of Tiger Woods' life. And so back to your point, Michael Jordan, I think that's a great one because I think the way you handle yourself, you, you never know how you're going to react. Like if you were thrust into that person's lifestyle, we all think, you know, like, you know, we're all armchair quarterbacks. We're all Monday morning quarterbacks. This is what I would do. This is what I would do. But unless you've actually ever walked in that person's shoes, you don't know what you're going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it feels like to be the most recognizable person on the planet. So he's definitely like a top 10 most recognizable person in the world or was at one point, probably still is to some degree as time. But I mean, it's been 20 years since he's played, but there was a time maybe he was even top five. It's like Michael Jackson, the Pope, you know, the president and Michael Jordan. So I don't know. Like. No, I think, I think that's valid. You know, and I think, you know, coming from, you know, America's standpoint versus global standpoint, I think there's, there, there's some recognizable athletes that we probably don't, you know, like Lionel Messi, right? He's probably has a much more profound impact locally than he does in the U.S. But, you know, who knows? That's changing now. He's, he's in Miami now. So, yeah. but yeah. So, so I think that's interesting. Some of my other ones, you're going to, you're going to kind of like, obviously, you know, your parents, right? Your parents kind of mold who you are. I have mm-hmm. a lot of my stubborn natures and I have a lot of my cliches and one-liners from my dad. And then I have a lot of the empathy and I have a lot of the trying to people please from my mom, you know, and that kind mm-hmm. of shifted and molded kind of you know, a culmination of the two, right? You know, and then obviously Michelle, uh, she's been very impactful. There's been some difficulties with things that have gone on in our lives, but she's always been there, you know, mm-hmm. and she is a rock in mm-hmm. our relationship. So but you can't, I think, overemphasize what a good partner in a relationship can do for other avenues of your life, right? I think you, you could probably agree yeah. with that. So, you know. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, to kind of focus more on like the personal people that have influenced our life. I mean, there's no doubt that parents played a big role. I mean, my mom, I mean, she's probably the person that has had the most influence on me when it when it comes to, like you said, empathy. I think I think us guys get our empathy probably from our mom. You know, the way we care about people helped me become a good father. My dad, great dad, you know, taught me how to be a father, how to basically do anything that his kid needs to get done. My stepdad, Dennis, talk about a great stepdad, amazing guy, had a huge influence on me, great positive influence on my life. My grandparents, always around, anything we need, super supportive. I I think that's the thing when I I think of my childhood, it's just the, the support that I had more than anything. Just anytime I needed anything, Whatever I wanted to do, people were there to support me, good or bad. So that, no doubt, they had a huge influence on me. Of course, Tara, we've been together. I think it's going to be our 17th anniversary awesome. on August 4th. So it's kind of cool to see the journey that we've had. And it, like you said, it's important to have a good partner. And I'm lucky to have one, too. She's been a huge influence on on my life. So that, that stuff has been, you know, very cool for me over the years. When I think of another person that's had a big influence on me, Another personal person is someone like Coach Kirit. Mm-hmm. Great relationship with him growing up. Coached me in football. I mean, honestly, I think back to like a lot of my coaches having a big influence on me or an impact. You know, guys like Mike Fecto and Dennis Walton, Scott Dakota, these guys that taught you how to be a man. People that were with you when you were in mm-hmm. fifth, sixth, seventh grade and kind of guided you through your youth up and through high school and beyond. There's no doubt that people like that taught me work ethic, leadership, teamwork fighting through adversity, all that sort of stuff. So I like to lump all those guys into one. I don't know if you have anyone that's kind of follows that same path. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I can echo that too, Randy. I mean, the profound impact the coaches have had all the way from like Little League up until like, you know, mm -hmm. high school varsity. And then like even after that, right, in business coaches and, and mentors and people that I aspire to to try to emulate, right, with the way that they conduct themselves in the business world. Like, you know, Kevin Robert, right? He was my manager when I came into the real estate business. Mm -hmm. And there's few people that I hold their advice in high esteem. Right, high regard. I never had to question if it was coming from the right place or wrong place. It was always very client centric. It was always very, you know, we, we provide information for our clients to make informed decisions. Are you taking direction from them? And I think that's like the baseline on any good coach is, you know, the the sustainability, the drive, the you look within. Mm -hmm. It's it's a mindset and it's not it's not there's no shortcuts, right? You know, we get cliches, but there's no shortcuts in life and and, you know, if anything worth having is worth the hard work it takes to get it. So, I, I, you know, to kind of draw upon you, I think team sports now are more important than ever. And I know mm -hmm. how you feel about this. And I think, I think you feel about this. And I know we probably want to talk about the profound impact that we have in our children's lives by yep. being able to coach them. But I think, you know, team sports play an important developmental role right now because kids are lacking the personal connections that we had when we grew up. Mm -hmm. When we grew up, it was go outside, play with your friends. You don't come in until it's dark or, or, you know, you don't come in until your parents are calling for you, so on and so forth. And I feel like that's lacking in today's development with children. And I think a lot of kids are yearning for that kind of contact. And I think organized sports, recreational or part of schools are very important to that developmental aspect of shaping a person to what they're going to be. And you, you, you nailed it right on the head with the, with the growth with the, you know, the determination, motivation, things that will serve you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Good habits that serve you for the rest of your life. I think start in that age group, you know, Definitely. from, from, from eight to 18, right. The most impactful. Well, why don't we talk about coaching then? Cause I think that, okay. yeah. well, there's still other people I want to get to, and I think we'll find a way to, oh. to work our way back to that. But I know we wanted to spend some time talking about coaching our daughters because we've coached my oldest daughter and your only daughter, Aubrey and Milan. We've coached yeah. them together, I don't know, since they were in T-ball. They're 10 years old now, so maybe five or six years worth of coaching. Ma's 11. Aubrey's 11, right? So we, Yeah, 11. I say 10. I, they're softball 10. So, yeah, 11. So, yeah, it's been like six years of T-ball to coach pitch to minors to now majors. And, man, that's been it's been a blast doing it with you. But it's been a blast, like, trying to instill in our kids what was instilled in us and the stuff that I talked about with the other coaches. It's not easy, but it's been unbelievable. It's one of the hardest things that I've had to do. And mm -hmm. not hard in a, like, stress situation. Just hard to, well, you know about it. You know, there's 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 all these, you know, do you, are you favoring your daughter? If anything, I'm more hard on my daughter than yeah. I am on the other kids. If I tell Milan to do something, that's my dad telling me. So I yeah. had to put a rule in, like, I'm not dad at the softball field. Mm -hmm. I'm coach at the softball field, yeah. right? And if I, you know, I don't know how, you, how this works with Aubrey, but if I try to give Milan pointers, she's not going to listen to me. But if someone yeah. like you is giving Milan pointers, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll try this like that. So it's just tough. It's the feedback loop. It's the, you know, it's, it, it's tough, but rewarding at the same time. Yeah. There's no doubt there's that thing where you, it's hard to get through to your own kid and you need someone else. And it's nice that we have a, our, each other to balance that off. And the other coaches that we've had over the years, which oh, has yeah. been fun. I mean, one thing that I had a struggle with too is, you just the favoritism piece. Like for me, it was, it's, it's tough this year to make Aubrey pitch maybe as much as 
she did. I mean, I ultimately thought she ended up being probably the best pitcher on our team, but to do that as also being the head coach is a weird thing for me to kind of navigate through. But end of the day, trying to make team sports, and in this case, softball for the girls on the team, a positive experience. You know, what, what are the things that we always talk about? We talk about listening. We talk about hustling. We talk about the couple things that you can control, which is your attitude and your effort. And it's not about whether you feel the ball cleanly or you get a hit every time. It's just about, it's like an effort thing and, and supporting your teammates and, and having fun. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that we want to set the groundwork on because they have a bunch of team sports ahead of them, but like more beyond that, it's life. You know, it's life. I think, I think what makes it important, I don't, obviously you've heard this saying, trust the process, the results follow. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at such an impactful level of creating the process for mm -hmm. them, right? Creating the process of learning the team sports, creating the process on what do you do first and second situation, one out, you know, yeah. where are you throwing the ball? What do you do if the ball hits you? What do you do if the ball is not hit to you? Right. Yeah. That's mindset preparation. And I think that's so huge. And that, that was one of the coolest things I don't know for you, but especially when we got into all-stars, that was one of the coolest things to start to see them get it. Mm -hmm. Right. To start to see it become second nature and some girls advance quicker than others. And I think that's an effort thing. And I think that's the willingness to want to participate. That's the willingness to want to be better. But to see a majority of the girls, if not all of them, get better from the first day, you know, day yeah. one versus day 30. And that that to me was a commitment to want to be better, you know, mm -hmm. showing up every day and listening and, you know, I saw your frustration because you were the head coach and I was the assistant coach and to see your frustration on trying to talk. And then there's 15 million different conversations going on. Yeah. But I love, I loved it because you called it out. You're like, Hey, what are you talking about over there? You want to phrase <laughs> it? No, okay. How about you, you know, so it's like, it's, <laughs> but, like you yeah. don't know what to do in those situations. Cause there's this weird balancing act of like, okay, we have a bunch of nine, 10 and 11 year old girls. Yeah. But like, you do want to get across that like you need to be listening right now and you don't want to be the guy that's like yelling all the time at the kids. So it's this weird little balancing act. And, you know, you try different things like that with like kind of trying to call them out a little bit, joke around a little bit, but like at the same time, get across that, like, let's go. We have to pay attention here for 10 seconds. That's all I'm asking for. Do you think it's harder to coach in this environment than it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago? Oh, man, I honestly don't know because I've heard stuff 20 years ago where, you know, the worst part about coaching is the parents. Right. Like that, I, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, I've heard that from plenty of people. Um, you know, I did a little bit of coaching high school football, I don't know, 10 years ago, something along those lines. And you kind of see that, that that's the hard part of things. So I don't know, that stuff's probably been going on forever. What would you say would be the hard part? Or what would you say the part that is harder now than maybe in the past? If you think that I, is true. I think probably the way we were spoken to as kids is different than the way we are speaking mm -hmm. to the kids now. And not that that's better or worse, but I think, and I can just draw from my experiences, that our coaches probably spoke their mind a little more, you know, a little more unfiltered than, mm -hmm. than you know, and, and again, it's, it's, it's tough to navigate because, you know, different kids have different sensitivity levels, right? And you don't know how someone's going to react. And I think it's more viewed now in today's public to like, not come down on uh, on somebody mm -hmm. for not participating or not trying or stuff like that. And, and I get it. You know, the question is, what's the why for the kid wanting to play sports? And then we can kind of derive how, how you how you talk, right? Is, mm -hmm. is, the, is the kid kind of interested at this point, but wants to know if it's fun for them? Or are the parents just saying, I want you in a sport, pick one, and then they're just kind of showing up, right? Just because their parents are making them? 
And, and there, you have to believe that there's still some of that out there, right? That there, mm -hmm. that there is still, and to be honest with you, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think encouragement from parents to get out and playing sports in, in, a, in, a, in an environment where that's not a given. So like when we did Little League, I mean, we talk about this all the time. There was East Biddeford, there was West Biddeford. I think there were six teams in each one. You talk about the number of kids on the Little League team, and, and we talk about this all the time, participation rates. And you probably know this, how many girls were there in softball this year, and then you watch the number dwindle down as the kids get older. And we're talking mm -hmm. about having enough girls next year for one, you know, 12U team, but hopefully two, but we don't know. Yeah. So I feel like when we were playing Little League, probably 12U is the equivalent of, there was 12 teams in Biddeford. Yeah. So to the degree of emphasizing parents to encourage their children to yep. try team sports or individual sports, not for the accolades, but for the process. Yes. It's, it's the I mean, process of developing. Process, the friendships. I mean, all my best friends or most of my best friends are people that I played sports with every single sport, you know, spent the summer baseball practice and the, the end of summer in double sessions and basketball in the winter running around from gym to gym. So yeah, the, the friendships alone are worth it. Never mind all of the, the habits that you build. For when you get older it's interesting about the enrollment stuff part of me wonders how many kids there are locally versus back then yeah i know there's lacrosse now that's a thing and there's a lot more kids doing travel basketball or focusing on hockey year-round so there's a little bit of that but it is weird to see the numbers be where they're at at this point it's so like and maybe it has to do with the sport too as I feel like when we were growing up, there was probably, there was four sports, there was track, you know, you had mm -hmm. hockey, basketball, football, baseball, track, and then soccer, right? And then mm -hmm. a couple other extracurriculars that you could do. Now I feel like there's way more opportunities out there. You know, you have lacrosse. I think field hockey was yeah. always part of it. Yeah. Field hockey is a fall thing, but yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's a travel team somewhere where some girls are playing that mm -hmm. instead of softball. Well, I was going to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on on travel teams versus kids being more well-rounded and playing multiple sports. I was talking to someone about this this weekend and it is such like a little bit of a catch 22 because you do want your kids to play multiple sports to get the well-rounded thing. But if they don't specialize, at least to some degree, they're behind the people that do, you know, so the guy I was talking to his kid doesn't play basketball anymore because he's not able to do all the travel basketball teams. And he's just so far behind the people that do do that, that it's not even worth him to do it anymore. So I don't know if it's a, a thing where you don't specialize in just one sport year round, but maybe focus on two. I actually want Aubrey to consider doing travel softball because I do think it would help take her maybe to the next level or improve her game for, for next season. But I don't know that I would want my daughters to just focus on one thing at this point in their life. You know, right now it's, they all got like three or four different things going on, but maybe at some point it's two or three, and then maybe in high school it's two. I don't know. Yeah, and I've, and I've heard, you know, from multiple interviews, I've never spoken to college recruits or college head coaches, but I've, I've heard from multiple head coaches that they'll only recruit athletes that are multi-sport athletes just because of the development, right. the, the development of other muscles, the development of other, you know, uh, utilizing different hand-eye coordinations, different coordinations mm -hmm. that you benefit from being a multi-sport, uh, you know, athlete than just being a, targeted single sport athlete but you're absolutely right you're going to be so far behind somebody that does it 10 hours a week than if you're doing it two hours a week right and then you're going to be that far behind exponentially if that goes on for a year two year three years almost to the point where 
does it not make that sport fun because you're not competitive at a level that other your peers are around you? Yeah. Right. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. Right. And I don't okay. know the I don't know the right answer for it, but I'm of the mindset right now with my kids being six, eight, and eleven to encourage them to try as many things as they want at least once. And then as they get older, you know, start taking things away. I think we might actually not do dance anymore for our girls. And that's been something they've been doing for God, five or six years now. So I don't know if that's not definite, um, (laughs) but I'm going to edit this out actually. Um, But you know what I mean? Like that's what you you add things and then you minus other things and then we'll just kind of see how it evolves over time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to segue into another person? I do. I do. So anyways, on the coaching thing, it's awesome. It's been fun coaching with you, man. We'll keep it going, but I would encourage anybody listening to coach your kids. It's fun. It's a great way. My dad always coached me growing up, or at least in baseball, and it's something that I always remember. So I'm glad that we can do that for our kids. So it's a blast. Yeah, it's um, awesome. So I have a couple people, actually. There's this, this one person. I think I told you about him before. His name is Wes Cook, and he's a realtor, or he was a realtor. I know him through real estate, and our relationships evolved beyond that, but he might be a guy that's had more of an impact on me than influenced me. I mean, he's a guy I admire the way he did business and you know what he represented in his community. But in terms of the way he affected me, it was probably on an impact point of view. And he was a guy that was managing the Coldwell Banker office down in New York. It's a franchise office, not a residential brokerage. And uh, I would go there as a title person. And when you're a title person, you know this, and you're just trying to go into real estate offices and you don't know many people. And it's like, no one wants to talk to you. And it's very strange. But he was this one guy that just kind of opened his office up to me every single time that I went there. And we'd talk about whatever for a half hour. And I actually think he had more of an impact on my professional career than he would realize or than most people did, because that's kind of the thing that kept me going. Because I always felt like I had a good spot to go and, and build my confidence with him and he'd give me a shot on stuff. And then as my career transitioned into lending, he was still that open door for me, helped make relationships. And I kind of consider him like my work grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not really doing business anymore. He was definitely an older man at the time. And we're still in touch, have lunch from time to time. But Wes Cook, man, anyone that knows Wes, he's a legend down in Southern New York County, had a huge impact on my life and someone that I think did have an influence as well. Isn't that cool where... Just the actions and how people model their behavior can impact you without them not even knowing it, without them mm-hmm. not even knowing it, right? And just that maybe the, maybe it's a random act of kindness or maybe it's a continuous kindness or maybe it's a continuous presentation of opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. But for you to be able to lean on that for professional development, I did know that you used to do title. I did know that you were a title officer. And that's tough, man, because like you said, you're trying to create relationships where no one wants to talk to you. Right. And exactly. same thing being a real estate, same thing with being a lender, you're knocking down doors, you're just trying to get in front of people. And that can be very discouraging in a business where you hear no a lot, that can get to your mindset. Right? He's mm-hmm. am, am I just not doing the right things? Am I not saying the right things? Am I not the right person? Is this not the right thing for me? So to have somebody that you could that you could kind of continuously go to to get that mindset refresher, to get that mm-hmm. motivation refresher, I think that's pretty cool. You know, I think yeah. that's pretty yeah. Yeah. And I've done loans for his kids. I've done loans for his grandkids. I mean, he's at his retirement party. Again, we talk, we definitely are in touch. It's a little bit of a bummer. You know, COVID over the past few years was tough to stay in touch, but huge impact on my life, like I said. But I think it created this thing in me where I would want to do what he did for me to other people too. So mm-hmm. I try to pay it forward when I can, yeah. give people opportunities when I can, give them the time of day when I can, 
try to be that person that is a friendly face, someplace that's comfortable for them to stop by when they need that pick me up, when they need that refresher, like you said. So that's been cool too. Randy's filling the karma bank. Yeah, exactly. So I'm karma guy. I'm going to shift to another famous person. Okay. And it's someone that might come out of left field for you. George Carlin. You reference him a lot in conversation. So. I do. And George Carlin, to me, was the first person that kind of demonstrated that you could joke about serious matters. Mm-hmm. Right? You didn't have to always take yourself so serious. You could joke about it. But in the joke, you could cut to the issue. Right. And I don't want to get political. A lot of his comedy was on politics. A lot of his comedy was on religion. But I think the same still applies today where you can look at something. Something can be funny and serious at the same time, you know, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And something can be two things at once. And I think in a society where we tend to overpolarize things, I always look to George Carlin to just like see the humor in any kind of situation. And Mm -hmm. it, it does demonstrate a he was highly aware and he was highly informed and that's another thing to admire to to kind of strive for is to be aware and informed instead of making an opinion it's like ready fire aim right you know (laughs) you should aim before you fire but it's like you should you should have all the facts before you form an opinion and i think we're very very quick to have an opinion before we know all the pertinent facts And, and i think for me like just watching all of his specials, watching YouTube, watching his comedy. I mean, I remember watching HBO specials. My parents, my mother would probably kill me for saying this, but you know, I'm 13, 11, you know, George Carlin had five or six HBO specials and I was watching them when they were on live on HBO, 13 years old, mm-hmm. watching it in 1993. I'm, you know, nine Perfect. years old, you know, and it was, it was awesome. And he did cuss, right? You got over that, but it was well-placed, you know, well-placed profanity to kind of drive mm-hmm. a point. But mm-hmm. also what I picked up on him is, the dedication to his craft because he was a wordsmith and he did not use too many words or or not enough words to describe the joke that he was getting towards. It was the perfect yep. amount of words. And he, and he had his act dialed into the memorization and the dedication to be that prepared. And that's not mm-hmm. lost on me either. So, so George Carlin was definitely a good impact and influencer on, you know, that adage, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to get up there and you're going to perform and you're going to have a topic, you better be informed and prepared because it's, yeah, it's, there's no redos. There's no no redos if you mess up, you know, so. That's such a good one. I mean, you're a little bit older than me. Not, not honestly, not that much, but I think George Carlin had less of an impact on me. Yeah. I wasn't watching those specials when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. So like, I feel like I missed peak George Carlin, but just never went back for it. And I don't know that I ever get there. I mean, there's stuff probably on YouTube. But I don't know if I ever get there, and I feel like this is like a missed opportunity for me. That it's, I, also that I missed of, it's also comedy of a different era. Mm-hmm. I think it still speaks well. I, I think it's aged well. But he, yeah. he 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 did talk to political events that are happening at that time frame. So you know, like you know, Bosnia stuff like that, right? You know, like people aren't even know what Bosnia is, right? But you know, I think he spoke to things that were going on. In that in that environment, but I think he also had the great way to generalize things and bring things together with everyday nuances and funny things that you can look at it in my life. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's Seinfeld's another one, right? The way to identify daily things that are just if you stop and look at it, that's pretty funny. It was inconvenient, yeah. but it was funny, <laughs> you know. So yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. Okay, got a couple more. Yep. 
we got a few more minutes. So the next one, it's, it's obvious, but I feel like I need to say it because it's the reality of the situation. And this is this Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, two headed monster for me, because those people have been in my life in a very important part of my life from when I was 18 years old till freaking 40 years old. And then Belichick's still going, but like two people that in my mind did things the right way. They were all about excellence dedication to your craft, like you mentioned. So it's like, I don't want to elaborate on it too much because I feel like I talked about Tom Brady a million times on this, but there's a lot of times, at least in the office, we joke around and it's like, what would Bill Belichick do in this situation? What would Tom Brady do in this situation? I think that that's a sign that those people have had a lot of influence on you because you, when you're in a situation, you, even if it's in in a joking kind of way, you think about how would Tom Brady handle this? Well, Tom Brady would say this, even when you really want to tell someone to F off, you know? And it's like, you talk about like saying the right thing, handling yourself with grace, versus under pressure. So needless to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that those two guys had a big impact on my life. So Tom Brady's on my list. And I, you know what? I think that's a foolish debate, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. I don't think you have one without the other. I, yeah. I think t- Tom Brady had a profound impact on the way Bill Belichick coaches. And I think Bill Belichick had a profound impact on Tom Brady's performance. And I don't think... Yeah. Bill Belichick doesn't have the six rings without Tom and Tom doesn't have the seven rings without Bill, you know, like you said, the work ethic, the drive, and just the behind the locker room conversations that they've had. They want to be better, not wanting to let the other guy down. And then imagine this. So does Bill Belichick have a system to buy into if the best quarterback in the world, isn't the one that's showing up first and leaving latest, right? Does Bill Belichick have that system to buy into if Tom's the one spending the most time watching film? Right. Here's a guy yeah. that could rest it on his laurels. Here's a guy that could have coasted and he could have, you know, nobody would give him a second look if he decided I'm not going to work as hard as that guy because I've earned my right to not work that hard. He doubled down, man. And the discipline that Tom Brady had, I mean, the guy drank alcohol tw- twice a year, right? The Kentucky yeah. Derby and, and, and like measure. <laughs> it, is, it was always, he always had that glossy eyed look on the Kentucky Derby <laughs> night. He'd go to Kentucky Derby during the day and he'd fly to Vegas, I think, for like a UFC fight that that night. And you look at him and he's all messed up in the crowd. But yeah, he had every day mapped out to start the year in terms of where he was working out. Like if he's going to be in Costa Rica, because I think he went to Costa Rica a lot in the offseason. It's like he had his workout plan here. If he went to his ranch in Montana, it's like, who's coming here? Who's working out with me? I think he's the epitome of discipline, especially to do it over the length of his career. I don't think the average person can understand the level of dedication and discipline that it takes to achieve that, not only dominate at that level, mm-hmm. right? Not only to, mm-hmm. not, not, you know, to be a quarterback in the NFL, but to be the best for the longest period mm-hmm. of time. We'll never understand that. We'll never understand what it takes every day to do that, you know? No. So I think that's a great choice, Randy. I think that's an awful choice. Do you um, have any more on your list? I have, I have, you know, maybe I have some more honorable mentions. Okay, you what know, do you got? I, I do want to talk about some authors that have impacted and influenced my life. Love it. Tony Robbins, you know, Awaken the Giant Within, uh, Mastery. He's a great author. And, and I, I think he is the, I don't want to say he's the pioneer in mindset self-help books. I don't want to call it self-help books, but he, he is the guru of mindset. Mindset and very stoic message, kind of what you talked about before. You can only control what you can control. And basically you can control how you react to things. Right. And you react to a piece of information. Are you going to let that bring you down all day or are you going to mull on it for a few seconds or are you just going to say, yep, okay, I can't do anything about it. I'm not going to let that mess my day up. You know, so 
Did I ever tell you that I saw Tony Robbins in person? No, I don't think we've talked about that. So me, Chris, and Bri went to Las Vegas, maybe our second year at Norcom for mortgage conference. And they always bring in big speakers. You know, George W. Bush has spoken at it, Magic Johnson, just a million like famous people. But the year we went, Tony Robbins was the keynote speaker on this thing. And there was other guys too that I was interested in. They were all great. But Tony Robbins, I did not have a relationship with before this thing. I'm like, Tony Ro Robbins is this weird looking dude, kind of a cornball. You know, it's going to be, you know, whatever. I'm not looking forward to it. I left that session. It's like one of his normal sessions. It was like two, three hours long. It was very long. And I left and I was like, it's the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then I kind of got into Tony Robbins. Yeah, he has a documentary on Netflix and I listened to some of the audio books and he's not on my list. And it's probably more just because I kind of spaced on it. But dude, he's, he's legit. And he's a little bit corny and maybe he's not for everyone. But I left that thing. Felt like I, it was like a religious experience. Yeah. And cool. uh, he, he can capture a room for sure. And, uh, you know, his written word is pretty good too. Like Awaken the Giant mm -hmm. Within was huge for me mm -hmm. at a point in my life where I was trying to find my way again. You know, mm -hmm. and I think we've talked about that before without going too much into details, but I think we all have the ability to get lost sometimes. And Tony Robbins, I mean, we talked about, and, and I, again, not to be political, I, I don't care about his views or whatever, but the book by Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life, that mm -hmm. kind of refocused me into just those, those similar things. You know, there are, you know, organize your room, right? There are things that you could control that make your life better. And just the sheer act of, and it, I mean, it is a metaphor for organize your life, but organizing your room reduces anxiety, you know, whatever everything is, you know, it's like, so like making your bed every morning. That's like making your bed. It's something that you can control yeah. and it's a completion in your mind. And it's a lot easier to have the second completion when the first completion is done. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that that's huge. And what does that do? It builds momentum. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I drive towards seeking the advice and seeking whoever can can kind of fulfill my pursuit of being a better person. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as we're striving for that every day, you know, no days off, you should aspire to be better than you were yesterday. You know, yep. so. So, yeah, those are all mention for that. And then, you know, as polarizing as he is, you know, Joe Rogan. You yep. know, listen to his pod. Don't necessarily always agree with the guests that he has on, but I think he wants to talk to people. And mm -hmm. the discourse and, and talking to people you don't understand with, right? That's the that's the way to get back to, I think, just such a, not, not such a, I mean, we can agree. We'll just say it. It's a polarizing society right now. Having the informed conversations or not informed conversations, but at least having discourse. And I think yep. Rogan's pod is one of the best that does it. And he has guests on from all walks of life. And it's always interesting to hear this person's perspective. Okay, I don't necessarily know that person, but I like hearing their perspective to know that that's a perspective. So that's another no doubt. mention, I think. So That's a good one. Just on that podcast space, because I actually am surprised I didn't think of this person before, but I do like Rogan's podcast. You know, I like Lex's podcast. I actually probably like that one a little bit more. I really like that guy and just how thoughtful he is, but both of them are fantastic. But on that front, this person actually has had a lot of influence on me. It's Bill Simmons. Yeah. Not everyone loves Bill Simmons, but I've read and listened to Bill Simmons on a multiple time per week basis for freaking 15 years, you know, probably even more than that, probably since the, the, the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004. Did he have the first podcast, you know, Bill Simmons, sport, the first sports podcast or first podcast? Or? It's definitely one of the early ones, you know, and I've been listening to him ever since. And now he has his own podcast network and still weekly shows. And he has all kinds of different shows. A lot of what I do on this, I feel like is modeled off of that. And I have some exciting stuff coming up. 
that I'll be sharing next week with my brother. That's kind of modeled off him. But like in terms of a lot of my sports opinions, just like life opinions, just pop culture stuff that I, I like very much influenced by Bill Simmons. So he's definitely another one of those guys for me. Yeah. So that's a good one. Do you have any others? I, I only have one more thing. So, I mean, if you have something else. Then... Growing up, Ken Griffey Jr. There was a guy that, that emulated having fun while excelling. He was the first baseball player to wear his hat backwards during, you know, and that was kind of controversial because yeah. that was not the way it was done, but he was there to have fun. And he had that, you know, huge smile and you could just tell he enjoyed every second he was there. And to look at somebody loving what they do and, and excelling at it, to me, that's an, I think that's another one that's worth noting because you can't, like, if you don't like what you do, then to me, it's a miserable life, right? Mm -hmm. If you're punching a clock and you're, and you dread going to work, which I was there at one point in my life and I, you know, punch a clock, go to work. You hate what you do. How can you be fulfilled if you're spending eight, nine, 10 hours a day doing what you don't want to do? So yeah. that was a huge kind of like just to see that it is attainable to to be ex excellent at something, make money and and do what you want to do and have fun at it, you know, so. Yeah. That is one way that I remember him is smile on his face and having <laughs> having fun. So that's a good way to think of him. Yep. So the, uh, the last person for me is another local person. And I actually had him on the podcast. His name is Jim Godbaugh. And <laughs> it's kind of weird that I had him on last week. And here we are talking about because I didn't plan to talk about him. But the reason I bring him up is because it's important for me to have an influence on my community, a positive influence on my community. Mm -hmm. And I think I get that from being around people like him. And mm -hmm. there are other people that have an impact on their community, but I think of him as having the most impact out of anybody that I know. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of person that I want to be in my community. The person that is working and finding solutions to make things better. I say this all the time. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I think of him as that kind of guy, you know, Waterhouse field needs a new yeah. field, needs new bleachers. Okay. He's going to figure it out. You know, the St. Andre's project that we were talking about on our podcast last week, it's a problem. He's going to figure it out. And there has been dozens of these type of things where if there is a problem in the local community, there's a good chance that if their solution was found, it was because Jim Gobbo did it. So I don't think that I could ever match what he does for his community, but it does motivate me and influence me to want to do that on whatever smaller level that I can do. So I think yeah. it's worth mentioning. I think that's cool. And, and, you know, for a local guy, he's no longer with us. And he would have never known that he had this impact on me. I don't know if you remember Ronnie Plum, the plumber. Ronnie he did some work for me. Awesome, dude. Ronnie never had anything bad to say about anybody. Mm -hmm. And every time you saw Ron, he was in a good mood. Every time, hey, Maddie, how you doing? You know, and it's like I there was a time period when I would go to the gym and Ronnie would be there every time at the same time. And without fail, hey, man, how you doing? How's the battle? How's the battle going? You know, he's talking to you. You're talking about what things are going on. Always upbeat, always positive. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of look at it. And it's like, you know, here's a guy that was working around in a crawl space, all dirty and filthy. And he's loving life. He's enjoying what he's doing. And, and he did have an impact on me just from a standpoint of just be nice. Just always be a nice person. Be someone that if it's negative, don't say it. You know, yeah. it, it, there's nothing beneficial from talking bad about somebody saying something negative. So Ron was a really cool person to kind of talk to and, and know, you know, if you knew him. So the, the way I remember him was I had some apartment buildings when I was in my mid twenties and I'm learning stuff. I don't know anything, but I'm also building relationships with people like him, electricians and plumbers and all that stuff. And he was the guy that my dad, I think, connected me with to, 
come do some plumbing stuff. And here I am a 20 something year old kid that doesn't know anything. And he never talked down to me, never treated me like I was inferior. He always had a smile on his face, always very nice, got the stuff done. And I, you can't say that about all the people in that industry. So he was a good one for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. so do we have time for what we talked about before the left field conversation real quick? Let's do it, dude. We're, we're feeling it right now. Let's keep it going. I got a whole bunch of things for this. So this might actually be a two hour pod. This might be a Rogan podcast length right hey. now. I'm game. Let's go. Extended pod. No, this is going to be the pay-per-view, right? This is the pay-per-view portion. So if you've subscribed to Randy's pod, you get to see this extra content. Yep. This so is it. Yeah. I talked to you earlier and I said, you've accomplished so much in your life already. It's very admirable. And what's left? What are bucket list items? What are things you'd like to accomplish? And what are things that you'd like to check off that you could say, yeah, I did that. That, that mm-hmm. I, I completed that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a great topic. Honestly, I feel like it should be its own podcast, but we're going to talk about it and I, we're going to hammer it out. So, man, where do I even begin? Because I think a bucket list for me, there are things that I want to do. There are events that I want to go to and there's traveling that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's funny how even in the influencer conversation, a lot of the people are like athletes, sports mm-hmm. people, but there's a little bit of celebrity people there, comedian people, local people, but it's like, I think both of us, sports has been a big part of our life growing up. So some of the bucket list things for me, and these aren't like the, the best things, but these are things that are on my bucket list. And I would love to go to the masters as a thing, as like an event. Cause I like to just check off, like having done that and experienced that. And I think you would want to go to the masters too and, and super bowl. So to enter into this conversation and get two of the less big things out of the way, like I would like to go to those two sporting events and then also the Olympics if I could. So as oh, far as sporting cool. events go, I took yeah. it to the next level. I said I wanted yeah. to play Augusta National. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to just go to the Masters. I want to play Augusta National, which is... Dude, which I'll, is, I'll caddy for you. <laughs> which is never going to happen. That's why it's got to be a bucket list item, right? No. But yeah, no. Well, I, so time out. Should bucket list be attainable or should it... Is there tiers to your bucket list? Is there like the shoot for the moon? It's like, oh, I want to be president of the United States. I mean, honestly, no. I feel like I have a better chance of being president than you playing at Augusta National. Honestly, that's probably the only shoot for the moon one. But you tell me, if somebody said you could play Augusta, it's going to cost you $5,000 to play the round. How long does it take you to say yes? Like, is that immediate or is that like 30 seconds or is that like... I actually think $5,000 is an immediate yes. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I mean, it's not ideal. It's not like I want to throw $5,000 away, but it's freaking Augusta National. So, I mean, yeah, make it happen one way or the other. If someone said $50,000, I would be like, let me think of it. And that's a little bit much. And I probably would say no. Yeah. Probably. You know? <laughs> You definitely run it by Tara. <laughs> you know, she would definitely say you're saying no. So for travel, I've got three spots that I absolutely will go to where are on my bucket list that are attainable. And, and I don't know Let's what you it. have. I don't know if you have for travel. We may be pinging like or Seven things. Okay, what? seven things? You've got seven things for travel? Not that I have to go over all of them, but I can pick some of them. Tell me what you okay. got first. I want to go to, I want to do a tour of Italy. The whole soup to nuts. I want to see Milan. I want to see Rome. I want to see Venice. I want to see all that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like, for me, that's number one on my, on my travel bucket list to do a tour of Italy. Um, me and Tara's one of our big trips prior to having kids was going out there. And so we didn't see Venice because Venice is a little bit off from the other two, but we did, you know, good amount of wine country, Rome, Florence, road by train, you'll make it happen. If it's the top of your travel bucket list, like you will make it happen at some point. And I can't wait for you. But the, the level of history there, it really is humbling 
when you think about what we have going here, which is awesome. You know, I mean, we love where we live, love the country. But like when you look at 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 years worth of history in the streets intertwined with more modern stuff, it's just freaking mind blowing. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great one. Nothing like Italy. Beautiful. What do you got next? For me? Yep. It's hard for me to, I think, pick my number one travel spot. Lately, I've been feeling this. I don't know why. It's probably not my number one, but I have this desire to go to Tokyo and Japan in general. Very different. I don't know why. I just don't know what it is. But something about the whole vibe out there, very different than where we are. I mean, it couldn't be any more different than where we we live now. You know, there's there's parts of Japan that are very rural and beautiful. And then there's the, the Tokyo, which is very dense and urban and populated. I think I would like both of those. I think it's very rich in culture, too and tradition yeah. so i think that's pretty cool yeah ah, yeah I, I didn't even think about japan at all didn't even like well my radar but just try to think of like different things well it's like oh i could just say you know london bridge or you know, eiffel tower or whatever but like for me like different type places because once i went to italy i don't want to say italy is the same as spain and you know the uk and i mean they're all unique but that was my top europe place and now i'm trying to think of other places that i'd like to go and you know as in terms of places in asia that i'd want to go japan would be that place i'd also love to go to australia and visit sydney that is a bucket list type place for me it's weird to say hawaii because it's in the united states but i feel like i have one trip in me in my life to go to hawaii i don't know that i'll ever be a regular hawaii visitor i think i like variety more than one place so that's kind of a bucket list place for me as well so like for me, influences on where I want to go is definitely rooted in history. And you hit the nail on mm-hmm. the head with, with Italy being so, so deep and rich with history, mm-hmm. right? 2,500 mm-hmm. years, 3,000 years, 5,000 years, settlements there. My next pick would be the pyramids. And then yep. expounding uh-huh. on that and seeing like the different pharaohs, the different monuments, the different sculptures that, you know, not just the Great Pyramids of Giza, but all of the things that Egypt has to offer in that desert. And Sphinx again, one of the more denial. volatile places. Yeah, one of the more volatile places in the world right now. But hopefully that settles down and can take a peek at that because it's just fascinating, right? You're looking totally. at these things that have perfect originations. They have perfect orientations towards the stars. They're exactly facing the northeast, west, south. And, and the tolerance is to build them so perfect all the way up, right? Yeah, Without very strange. Without being off. super strange right so that to me has always fascinated me yeah that is very much on my list i do want to take a step back to italy real quick but one thing that we didn't even mention is that the vatican is in rome yeah dude if you want to talk about history religion stuff aside that place is unbelievable with with the history and the architecture so so you know add that to the list when you eventually go to italy but yeah egypt's very much on on that list i feel like that happens someday i feel like I, i make that happen one way or the other Another place on my list is Dubai. I feel like that's kind of boring, but I'm very fascinated by that place. You know, just how it has such unique buildings, very urban in the desert, a lot of money out there. So if I was going to go out to the Middle East, that would be one place that I would want to somehow check out. That's like the anti, you know, rich with history. Dubai is relatively sprung up, like, like it's out. Past 20 years. Yeah. I think if you looked at skylines from like 2000 and 2020, it's yeah noticeably different. I mean, yes. there's probably a lot of history. You don't go there, there for history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go there for advances in buildings and technology. And it feels like very next century, right? The, the next yeah. day, you know, it's like advancements. That's cool. I think Future. I'd like to see that. Yeah. 
on a, on a different way. Another one, if you want to talk about history, I don't know if you've ever considered Machu Picchu. I have. My brother and his wife actually went down there and had an amazing trip, you know, in, in Peru. So that could be one of those bucket list type places, a ton of history down there as well. The fascination of them building pyramids in Central America, South America, Egypt, it's, it's like what, you know, again, you mentioned something about conspiracy theories as a, as a potential topic. And it's like, how our next podcast. Yeah. How are all these pyramids getting built in relatively the similar time periods, thousands of miles away from each other with no ability to talk to each other? This is what we're doing over here in Machu Picchu. Why don't you guys try it out over here in Egypt? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's obviously aliens. So, I mean, no beating around the bush. I mean, it's just is what it is. <laughs> Insert that guy with the meme now, aliens, you know, with the big hair. <laughs> <Put him> in... <laughs> yeah, that guy, I know that guy. I am going to do that. Yeah, it's obviously aliens. So anyways, a uh, couple other things. Tell me what you think of this one. I want to take an RV trip across the country, which I think would be a ton, ton of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. That's going to happen someday, dude. I, we talked about doing it in like one of the next few summers, but then we have all these sports things. So I don't know if it's like a me and Tara thing. It's really hard to do me and you know, us and the family. I don't know, but it is, it's there. It's, it's very much there on the list. I, I, you know what? I love that. And that turns the trip into the destination. And I don't know if you're mm -hmm. like me, but every time we go to Bar Harbor, right, we always take that Scott bridge road and you have, yeah. to have the observation deck on the top of that. Every single mm -hmm. time we say, oh, we'll stop there next time. But you're just trying to get to your destination. You've already been in the car for two and a half hours. You don't want to stop. You don't want to make the trip any longer. So I feel like you don't stop there unless you force yourself to stop there. But RVing across the country makes the trip the destination. And that's cool. You know, like, you know, yeah. Rick Gould and Lori Gould, they're always like, you know, I, I kind of live through their eyes. Like, Jack's up, Jackson, Mississippi, Jack's up. You know, it's like they're just driving, living their life. And I think that's. There's a lot to be said for that. And you get to see different cultures. You get to see different parts of the country. And, you know, the, the, the country itself, the differences in the, in the people in the country itself, I think, are enough to just be, like, a motivator to, like, get out there and see the, see the world, see the country. So I think that's, that's awesome that you said Our that. Our country has a lot of unique yeah. different areas to it. And it's yeah. worth checking out. We're going to go to Nashville in the fall, and that's not like a bucket list trip. You know, and I don't think there's – maybe Grand Canyon's a bucket list type thing, maybe, you know, but like, I don't know that there's a lot of like one place stops in the United States that are truly bucket list, but I think collectively visiting a lot of them through RV is, is bucket list for me. So you have so. not seen the Grand Canyon? Not seen the Grand Canyon. Phenomenal. No. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I, I don't think that that's too far down the list too. I think we want to get the kids out there to see it as well. At some point, I think go to like Sedona in Arizona. So it's on the list, but yeah. So Anything else? Any other things come to mind? I mean, I have a few other things, but I get the. I mean, I got some audible mentions. The Great Wall of China would be awesome to see. You know, mm -hmm. just a anything that you can marvel at the complexity on creation from the creation of it. Right, Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. Right, the catacombs of, of Paris. Right, and and I crossed off one recently. I you know I didn't even know how much I wanted to go there until I went there. Was Washington D.C. I think Washington D.C. was phenomenal. I didn't, I didn't even know I wanted to go there so much until I went there for the first time, you know? Time history, man. For for the United States, that's the history, man. All the yeah, founding this... of our country, it's all right there. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, Boston has a lot of that stuff, too. You know, Boston is so does. rich with history, you know? So. 
Is that it, Ren? One thing, when I think of like the most unattainable thing on my list, I actually have like a little note thing in my phone for my bucket list. And I've had this on there for a while. And, and I do want to run a marathon someday. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's almost like a thing. I just want to say that I did it. I feel like my body was not made for distance running, but there's plenty of people that bodies are not made for distance running that have run marathons. And I feel like that is a thing that I want to do at some point. Yeah, I, I think any reason why I haven't done it yet is just an excuse, but it, it's something that I, I keep in the back of my mind. And if you want to ask me about an athletic achievement on my bucket list, that would be it. So I did consider that, but I only wanted one athletic achievement on my bucket list. And my single digit handicap or Ooh. scratch golfer? No, single digit <laughs> handicap, baby. Really. Yeah. You know me so well. <laughs> so far, That's awesome. further away than I am closer. But yeah, like golf is to me, golf is the continuous measure against yourself and the battle against yourself to like, okay, what the hell did I do wrong there? You know, how come I'm like, you know, to me, there's, and I, I talked to a couple of people on this and for people that take up golf at a younger age, it seems easier for them to ball strike consistently than I picked it up later in life. I didn't swing a golf club uh, or even go on a golf course till I was like 25. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm still struggling with the consistency of ball striking. Mm -hmm. And I, I marvel at those that can consistently ball strike and, you know, it's nothing for them to put up a 73 or a 75, like, you know, like Josh did this weekend. Yeah. Uh, weekend. I heard. I heard. It's like everything would have to be going right for me to hit an 80, you know, and that'd be yeah, everything. Yeah. You know? to, yeah, to get into the low 70s, it's like you have to just get actually very lucky like six times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. single digit It's not easy. That would, that would be a hell of an accomplishment. I don't think I'm going to achieve it, Randy, until I'm retired or semi-retired, just because – that just takes up, you got to hit a lot of balls and you got to play a lot of yeah. rounds, I think, to get to that. Yeah. And the, it's harder to go from a 10 to a five than it is to go from a 15 to a 10. It's like probably yeah. 10 times as hard, right? Because yeah. now your margins are so much lower, right? There's so much less can go hey, wrong. You, know? you just got to get to a nine though, brother. You don't got to get to a five. You just got to get to a nine. <laughs> Let's go. I cross you, my fingers. You got this. Hey, a couple of years ago, I think there was a thing where you said you were going to be a single digit handicap by a certain time. And I put my money on you. We're not there yet. I lost that money. But I, I, uh, I did make a bet with a fellow friend of ours. I lost that bet and I did pay him. <laughs> it was it was not a, it was not an insignificant bet. either. It was a few I said, don't bet against Matt Veer. But you, know, you did. I, I still I, believe in you. That was the dominant part of my life right there. That was peak Zenith Matt Vera at that point where I had the mindset to do whatever I wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's the, and I was like, you can't get, I'm watching you operate in life right now. You cannot bet against him, but I actually wouldn't bet against you for the rest of your life. So oh, uh, I have some confidence in you. So that's awesome. anything else notable? I mean, I think those are the, some of the big things. I have a couple other small things, but I mean, I for the I sake of conversation, those are the big things. Not to get corny. But, you know, one of my bucket list things is to aspire to be a person that my kids would want to hang around with when they're older. You know, aspire yeah. to be a person that my kids would want to emulate in their lives and, and, and have a profound impact in them. And I think that's something that, you know, when you get older, you look at your kids, you see the actions and you can kind of see. You know, Michelle and I have always taken the approach of getting our kids as ready for the real world, you know, and not to like you know, sugarcoat it and not to like, you know, talk to them like they're real people, inform them of the situations and not to, I, I don't know, lack of a better word, not to baby them, right? Uh, no. But to, to be a parent, not a friend. But mm -hmm. 
to kind of see them grow up. And, and if and if I become a person that makes like that they want to hang out with, I think that'd be a cool bucket list item to be able to cross off. Yeah. yeah. The type of family that your kids want to come back to in the holidays and when they have time off and that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good way to end it, man. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on parenting and it was fun kind of talking about all these different things today. So is this a record? I think length? we nailed it, man. I thought we nailed it. Is this, a record? Was fun. Is this a record length, Randy? Is this a... Uh... Dude, we're at 103 right now. It's close. You know, yeah. we're getting into we're getting into professional podcaster territory with the hour plus. So I love it. And, and you know? when you edit it, it'll probably be down to like 33 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that's going on the cutting room floor. But now, honestly, man, it was a great conversation. I actually I thought this hour flew by. I talked about a lot of fun stuff, kind of like some deeper stuff than I would normally do on the pod. So. In, in a certain way, it's kind of forced me out of my comfort zone a little bit on the podcast. Yeah. You know, I don't think I, I touched on things like this outside of maybe the podcast that I did by myself or it was kind of a solo podcast talking about my story. So I like it. You know, I, like, I enjoy talking about all these different things with you. So we'll have to find another reason to come back on and do another one. Let's do a layup next time. Let's just do a top. Let's do a top five. Your top five, my top five. But let's pick something you've never done before. Like not a top five. Top five conspiracy theories. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, well, we'll put the political disclaimer at the beginning, right? You don't watch this if you're tri- if you're easily triggered, right? Uh, yeah. You're no. We're not. I'm not going to put you in a position to get fired. You just got to remove yourself from the past like five years. Aliens. We could talk about JFK. We could talk about yeah. Dude. Yeah, freaking moon landing is fake. They made a million. Was we got a million it, fun it, things. Was it fake? Was it? I don't know. Yeah, how does a flag fly? I'm not saying that it was, but that is a conspiracy theory that I think is fun and would maybe or maybe not make my list of top conspiracy theories. Well, I'm not I saying I agree with any of these conspiracy theories. It's just fun to think of them. There's flat earth. There's, you know, I mean, just keep, kind of keep going on and on. Dude, exactly. That's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Fun, tongue-in-cheek type conspiracy theories, not other this other nonsense. But anyways, we'll, we'll regroup. I think that would be a fun one at some point. But we'll find something to talk about. So thanks again for coming on, pal. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. It did fly by. See ya. All right, bud. See ya.